Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And I'm so happy I didn't mess up that intro. <laughs> Coming back on a new show. One for two it's today. It's likely to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're back. We're back with the first episode of The Leftovers. Couldn't be happier. Uh, me either. I Despite love Despite how sad the show is. Yeah. Uh, well, this you know episode what? is is a, a breath of fresh air for this show. I thought they pulled their punches. I was really worried about that, that cable sequence that I was going to see some things I didn't really want to see. I mean, I saw things I didn't want to see. That arm was pretty <sighs> disgusting. But I'm thinking uh, like Antichrist levels of things I don't want to see. Like, like babies baby getting being... beaten, eaten and swallowed by snakes. <laughs> okay. That'd be messed up. I mean, yeah. There's no technical reason they can't show something like that. Sure. They can show whatever they want. It's as horrifying. is evidenced by the teenage nudity. Yeah. They can show anything they damn well please. <laughs> Uh, I I love this episode. I thought it was a great, um, you know, I was expecting something crazy from all the reviews for the intro. Uh, and even expecting something, it exceeded my expectations. It was crazy. That opening left me. So the opening is captivating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't feel like it has a ton, in my opinion, to do with the episode. Ooh, see, I've got a it lot links, to say about it. It links a place with two different times, uh-huh. and I mean, when you when you title that Axis Monday or Monday, however you say it, uh, yeah, it it works. I, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying hmm. it was an awful lot for that moment for that connection sure no i i think that i've I've got a lot more connections i got a lot more connections okay okay that i want to talk about but uh no i thought i thought it was great and um really brave choice to open with that opening uh which i guess began with a joke in the writer's room where they're talking about like how are we going to do the previously on Mm -hmm. because so much shit happened and tom perota (laughs) said well, how previously do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. And then they worked that kind of like offhand joke into a mission statement for the show. The starting this almost, well, not almost. It seems to be prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it worked. And and to go away from all the main cast, introduce a new place, a new characters, and not even in, in involve the others except for tangential, tangentially, mm-hmm. tangentially uh, in the last act. I again, that's really gutsy. Really gutsy yeah, choices, definitely. And I don't, I don't know that this show has never been not gutsy. No, they I they think... seem to be uh, dancing with the one that brung them. Shall we talk yeah. about Axis Mundi a bit? Okay. I had some feedback. Uh, Teresa V emailed, uh, but uh, Tommy A beat her to it. So, so I googled Axis Mundi, which I'm sure a lot of us did, and it says that it is the name of the episode and found some interesting stuff in many different the belief systems. Axis Mondays are thought to be of uh, the center of the world or the connection between heaven and earth, and an object in nature like a mountain, tree, or maybe a lake. Now, I think what this is hinting at is it could be that Jarden is an Axis Mundi. Mm-hmm. More specifically, the watering hole featured uh, in the Cavewoman sequence and with John's daughter. The lake is obviously playing a big role when you look at how the episode ended and began. Also, the tie-in with John's son putting the water in uh, vials and trying to sell it. The water is very important. This lake is very important. I'm not going to make an official prediction and say that Jarden is this Axis Mundi place because it could be just as possible that Jarden is actually a fraud yeah. and indeed did have some departures. The important thing – so I read about this Axis Mundi and I found a a interview with Tom Parada. And he said that something important thing to realize about an Axis Mundi is that 
it's not that the lake or the tree or the mountain is sacred into itself. It's sacred because of its geographic placement. Hmm. It is on the axis month. It's it's the place that's the important connection between heaven and earth. Okay. So that is, I think, a significant clue about what's going on here. And again, let's. I want to talk also a little bit about more about our mission statement. We're going to talk about clues and the mysteries and where we think they're going. Um, but I'm going to give basically zero airtime to anything that looks backwards and tries to explain how this ties into the the event, the departure. Because okay, yeah, they've all doubled down and saying that we're never ever going to answer mm-hmm. any questions, and that those are not interesting to us. But also, Lindelof has said that he wants to give the viewers more of a roadmap of what to expect. So everything's speculating about how this is going to advance the plot and what it means for our characters is fair game. Stuff to try to figure out what the nature of the event itself. You know, like I said, I, I'll reserve the right to read something super interesting or super funny. Always sure. do. Yeah. But those are not personally what I'm looking for in the show. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of questions I have about all of this stuff that's going on here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try not to necessarily ask, like, where they're going, like, thematically, I guess, but, like, more of, like, what is happening in this town? Okay. What what are, th- what are these people doing? Uh, you know, why is John acting the way he's acting? Okay. Like, those types of questions I feel like are relevant. All right. Because they hint more at plot, right? Sure. Uh, so I I got my notes broken down like by subject matter. Do you want me to drive? Yeah, I mean I I do too. So sure. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm I sure want to start we'll with the Catwoman sequence because it seems like you and I are at odds as far as what it means, or at least you're missing some pieces, and maybe I'm just inventing things. But I like I said, I was the whole time on the edge of my seat thinking that it was going to go darker. Like, thank you, Parada and uh, Lindelof for not making me watch a ba- baby be bit by a snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for not making me watch a baby's eyes get pecked out by an eagle. Like as it was looking at, it, I was like, "Man, man, this is this this is going to be rough." Wow. All right. But let's talk about what this means for the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's I think it's the same location that's featured in Jarden. I thought they made it very clear with the camera movement that, yeah. and that makes sense. I mean, ten thousand years, let's say. Nothing's going to change there. Is geologically that's irrelevant. You're yeah. not going to have significantly different rock features and and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought there's similarities between the earthquake and the departure. You know, like this woman got out of her cave to pee, and an earthquake happened to hit that cut her off from the rest of her tribe, and now she's to, to them that's as big as that's a big of an unexplained supernatural departure. Yeah as anything that we would live through in a modern time. And, but it's interesting, like, is the show telling us that the departure was a supernatural event? No, the show's not going to tell us that. (laughs) I know. It'll hint. That's what I'm saying. Like, even within this little, yeah, like it's, it's showing that there is this, you know, like obviously it's an earthquake. I don't think that God made the earthquake happen or the, the spirit God, the Eagle God, but well, maybe these people think that. But the woman did. Yeah. The woman thought like, you know, and, and also like another interesting theme is did the eagle herald the birth of her baby or did it herald the up, uh, uh, upcoming apocalypse? Like it's one mm-hmm. sign that could be interpreted two ways. Sure. Just like, I, I don't know. So, I mean. The eagle led her to sustenance and towards a human habitation, but it also led her to the snake that killed her. Mm-hmm. Like, there's good and bad in both of these signs, and I don't think they necessarily mean anything. 
which I think is very thematic to the show. Yeah, I mean, I think there are other things connecting it. That earthquake being the obvious one, right? What about the bird? The, 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 the bird based faith movement. Okay. This compare, is weird. Compare that with, with Matt's fixation on pigeons, like it's landing on traffic lights and, oh, that means something. And now I need to put right. Like, that's an interesting tie in to season one and maybe some clues to season two. Yeah. And later on, when, uh, what is her name? Erica? Uh-huh. Erica, the, the wife, uh, has a bird in a box buried in the ground. Sign. And I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little tinfoil hat when we get there. But, okay. I got some, that's that's another bird based phenomena. I got some tinfoil too around that. Okay. Uh, also, you know, we talked about how the eagle could be uh, a a sign of glad tidings or of woe. What does that tell us about the Garvey's pilgrimage down here? Like they're hmm. following Matt, who's kind of the bird man. And is this them going down to Jarden going to be good or bad? I'm guessing with the leftovers, I, it's bad. It's always bad. It's always bad. Uh, but no, I, I just like the Plus fact there's that some this, bad shit happening here. Also, it's uh, there's an obvious parallel between this woman taking on this abandoned baby from some other tribe with Nora taking and the kid on. They have, yeah. And there's kind of some quasi religious things like you got the serpent. Mm-hmm. You know, Jarden is um, Spanish for garden, like gar- literally, literally a Garden of Eden situation here. Lots of religious trap trap uh, okay. trappings on that. So that's what yeah. I think is, and maybe there's a theme that. Because Nora is ready to give up and like go abandon her life and lead a new one. The only thing that brought her around was this child. And maybe there's this theme of having children or some kind of person depending on you is the thing that can keep you going when chips the chips are down. Hmm. Okay. So that's what I got from the prehistoric, almost 2001-ish flashback for the show. Yeah, I think the major thing that most people, uh, myself included, took out of it is... The idea of this Axis Monday, right? Uh-huh. I mean, There's something are we actually at a place where heaven and earth connect? Mm-hmm. Are are we in a very special miracle town? And or is there it just are an some eagle things feather? that hint at it. There are some things that hint against it, you know? Which it's, that's always been the leftovers brilliant thing. And the I way like it. They continue to walk that tightrope between supernatural and yeah. rational. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the water. The water is a huge theme in this episode. Uh, yeah. We've we've got uh, Dr. Goodhart taking water samples. We got the National Park Service saying you can't take the water, don't drink the water. Mm-hmm. Dr. Goodhart sounds like he has an Australian accent. Now, why is that significant? Uh, Lindelof, in an interview with Seppenwall last week, said that he wants us to pay attention to things happening in Australia. Yeah, and he gives us a letter here. There's a letter from the Addressed crazy to David Burton, Sydney, Australia, from John C. Riley, who's sitting on the the, the Miracle Tower. That he, yeah, he wants he wants to send to Australia. Yeah, a lot of Australia connections. Uh, you know, why is the water prohibited? Will the water make us safe? Is it one of the things that makes the town special? In the church itself, there's banners that have um, scriptures on them. Both of the scriptures dealt with water. Hmm. Ecclesiastes 39.22 says his blessing covered the dry land as a river and watered by as a flood. And then Acts 8 uh, verses 38 said, and both they both went down into the water. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. They both went down into the water. Yeah. I mean, that's it's like a, it's clearly a baptism, but that could also be something, a dark reference to uh, what happens with Evie. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking. 
that's particularly interesting because the only people who I've seen interact with that water mm-hmm. and actually, you know, touch the water or drink the water were Evie and her friends, right? Her brother sure. doesn't. No, he doesn't. He pours it from the container to a vial. Yeah. And then they're the ones who disappear in the end. What's funny because what he's... is Doctor Goodman doing or yeah. Goodhart doing? I mean, it could be like is he still around? Has he disappeared? Yeah, did he kidnap these women? Like, I don't, I don't. If know. God's if God's removing His blessing from this town for some reason, maybe as a result of I don't know what John did uh, or is currently doing with the fires. Well, also the the water. Maybe story. that river disappearing is a, a signifier of that, and he's taken the people who've interacted with it. Yeah, that ties into the you know the dry land now it's like we had a a town watered as if by a flood and now it's dry uh also yeah. the water story that erica told involving evie and michael evie was the one in the water like moses when michael was the one trying to stay dry and keep out of it that, Wait, that story i so, so so when erica told a story about coming home and there's a waterfall going down her oh, steps in the bathtub overflowing evie yeah, yeah, was yeah. the one in the water being a prophet and That's michael right. was the one abstaining when it's, I think that's odd dichotomy for Michael because Michael seems to be the spiritual one of the family. His dad is yeah. the skeptic, yet he's also the worst shyster in the world. He's the worst snake, snake oil salesman because he's like, it's just it's just a souvenir. There's nothing special about the water. Sure, yeah, he's very bad at his job. But it's an interesting contrast. Or good at his you, job. Do you think that the type of person – I associate people like that mm-hmm. um, with the ones that might be more apt to be taken in by miracle water. And I feel like it was they were setting that up as he's very different from these other people where like the miracle tobacco guy is going to tell you, hell, yeah, smoke this. It'll make yeah, you feel great. Yeah. You know, it's a like miracle. If you do while you're wearing white sweatpants, all the better. Like notice he didn't even label the water miracle. No, he just labeled the Jordan spring yeah, water. Jordan spring water. Yeah, I. That's it's yeah, it's interesting that he is skeptical He's spirit. He's, he's maybe he's a good blend between his dad and and uh, maybe he's the Axis Monday between his father and another character that we've either met. Maybe his mother. I think we've met. I think I want to say we've met his grandfather in this episode. Mm, we met John's be. father. That could be. And there's because so he goes out when he's taking food to yeah sure to the guy on the pedestal rides up and says pray with me yeah says pray with me and you can tell there's something on that guy's face that says you shouldn't be here. Like or there's someone some, wouldn't approve there's certainly of being something here. significant. Yeah. Yeah. And to me it said uh this is potentially like maybe his dad and and his dad had a falling out and uh, like over what they were trying to teach uh, right. the kid or something, right. teach Michael. I don't know. I'm reading a lot into that, but I think there's something there to be read into. Uh I want to talk about the earthquakes a bit too. Yeah. Um we know that there, so it seems like there's a lot of competing theories about why this town is special. And, you know, even Michael, who's kind of a skeptical faith-based person, does give this ministry about the 9,281, or maybe it's 261, that the people that were spared by God, and, and Evie singing this uh, gospel musical about mm-hmm. um, how this town of Jarden was spared. But... There's also like this big glass box around this fissure in the earth that's labeled number seven. Like I can see that there's a walking tour of Jarden yeah. about like all the different cracks in the earth and when they appeared and what's their significance and all that. And now we see that it, it appears that did you get that? That the lake had disappeared through a crack in the earth? 
Oh, no, I didn't see the crack. Okay, so like if your TV's blacks levels are really black, you might not have seen this. But when they pan out, there's a giant crack looking a lot like the one that's in the glass box at the bottom of the lake. Ah, okay. Like it didn't just... I got a plasma, so my blacks are black. (laughs) Your blacks are are, are fucking black. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know about what's going on with the earthquakes and what significance that has with with the miracle of uh, Jordan Jordan. Were they sucked into the earth? Are these think... girls sucked into the no, earth? No, I don't think so. I've got my own little tinfoil theories about that that we're going to get to here in a minute. Okay. I also have another category called other town weirdness, other Jordan weirdness. Uh, we talked about Jordan being close to the Spanish word for garden, the garden of Eden. There's like a wedding dress wa- girl watering her lawn. Yeah. What the fuck? That's super weird. Uh, there's this whole fact that this town know, has man. been turned into a state park, which honestly, that feels like the biggest swallow in this episode. Like in two years, this town has been recognized as departure free and it's been set up as a national park and it's been roped off and it's had all these things like that's a lot of moving really quickly. And almost capitalize. like you, you'd have to you'd have to declare like martial law, right? Like. Does, yeah, does the federal government own this town now? I don't know. The park rangers certainly had a hand in the you, you, the goings-on of the, the tourists, you right? You've got residents versus non-residents, different bracelets and permits and yeah. stuff. Like, I would love to know more, and I'm sure we'll find out more about this. But also that it's become like one of those county fair type attractions where it seems like nobody came to Jarden, the departure happened, and now mm-hmm. like all these people are making these pilgrimages. And they made it very clear. Of, of all, religions, all religions, of all creeds, all, yeah. All parts of the globe, I guess the German folk were supposed to make us think that this is an international thing. So I wonder what, what if anything, that says about the status of religion in this this universe that they've created. Is it is it something where people still hold on to their religions and everyone kind of believes that their god is the one at play here? Or is it something where those religions have kind of been usurped by this grander disappearance mm. that's happened? Yeah, I mean... And, and, you know, we clearly see there's a lot. It's funny because Matt's church suffered because of the disappearance. And we saw all these new, these neo-religions forming up. Uh, You know, the barefooted people, Mm -hmm. the remnant, the guilty remnant, all that. In Jordan, the traditional religion has been boosted. Seems like it. And we talked about that last season. Like, is that a universal thing or is that just like an East Coast kind of phenomenon that people turn away from religion? Sure. Uh, what did you think about the goat slaughter? What? The, so, I I don't care how many people disappear. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you still need a clean facility to serve your food in, a and b. Who the fuck is going to stand for a guy slaughtering a goat every Tuesday in your establishment? Well, so there's... it clearly was not a big deal. Like you know, they were like, not this again, really. Right. Well, that's part of the. Come on, fine, fine. The Judeo, slaughter the goat. The Judeo-Christian mythology around goat slaughter was that, you know, back in Egypt, when the angel of death came to Pharaoh, uh, the way the Israelites were spared is that they f- sacrificed a kid of either a goat or a sheep and mm-hmm. s- splashed its blood upon their door frames. Okay. And the angel of, blood, the angel of death saw that and saw, oh, these people are listening to God. I'm mosey yeah. on down to the next motherfucker and hitting them. Uh, 
So, and then so the Israelites the did protection. that during the Passover as kind of a remembrance for, uh, hell, they still might do it. I don't know exactly how they observe their Passover modern days. And I'm pretty sure they don't slit a goat's throat and splash the blood on their... Oh, they do. Gray's cafeteria. They that's, walk in, they slice one open. That's that's the really the ultra-Orthodox. Those are the dudes that got the curly cues and they won't sit beside you on a plane if you're a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I wonder if there's some of that, that I read an interview where... And I can't remember if it was like a showrunner or it was the, the there's a spiritual advisor to this show who's like this really well-known um, uh, religious historian or thinker. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it might have been from him, but they said they had this idea that this guy happened to slaughter a goat on the day of the de- the departure. And uh. in his mind, he is what's keeping everyone safe. So he goes around the different parts of the town and slaughters a goat to make sure that that stays fresh. All right. And and the that thing makes is, sense. and the, the the town is so like, well, it might be earthquakes. It might be, it could be Jerry's goat. Who the fuck knows? We got a good but, thing going here. Don't yeah, mess with it. Like it's annoying, but who's going to be the person says not my house today. And then you get departed. Yeah. It, it's also interesting when you tie it in with this guy who's standing up on this pedestal. Yeah. What does he think? Does he think he's protecting the town? Does he think me standing up here looking like fucking Moses or some sure. shit? Uh, not coming down is the thing that is going to save us. I want to know who empties totally his shit in his bucket. Because this is not a one-way street. Food doesn't go up yeah. and then get raptured. It, it's, is it's he Michael. just is, is, the, Michael, yeah. is the backside of this pillar just a horror show? <laughs> yeah. It's just shit stalactites and... I can only assume so, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh... But that's the beauty of this show is that the way it's structured is that you will believe that a guy can come in and slaughter a goat and the most he'll get is mild annoyance. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of that guy, I got to go into this real quick. Okay. And I don't know a ton about it. I've only read a synopsis. But uh, that Moses-looking dude on the John pedestal. John C. Riley. John C. Riley uh, hands down a letter that says, Mr. David Burton, Sydney, Australia, mm-hmm. is who it's addressed to. And he asks Michael later on if he mailed it. Michael says, yes. Uh this David Burton guy, uh, I, I did some Googling. David Burton, Sydney, Australia, came up with the movie The Last Wave from 1977. Is that Ocean Wave or like Goodbye Wave? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Well, I thought maybe it's like if it's a surfer movie, then it would probably be. <laughs> yes, it's. it's uh, that Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves uh-huh. in it, then you could make some assumptions. No, I, so all I got was a synopsis of this thing. Okay. Um, and I'm going to read it real quick. It's a couple of paragraphs long. Synopsis. David Burton is a corporate tax lawyer living in the middle-class comfort in Sydney, Australia, with his wife and two young daughters. His life is turned upside down when he agrees to defend a group of young Aboriginal men who have been accused of murder. He quickly becomes convinced that the motive is tribal and wants to use this as the basis of his defense case. It would lead to a more lenient sentence under Australian law. However, the Aborigines refuse to cooperate, preferring long prison terms uh, to revealing their secrets. Uh, David becomes friendly with Chris the most forthcoming of the group who introduces him to Charlie, an old man who seems to have supernatural powers. David, who is troubled by recurring dreams, discovers that he may be, uh, I don't know how to say this. Mulkurl, M U L K U R L. I, uh, it's, so it's the name given by Aborigines to descendants of South American settlers who share their mystical abilities. Huh? The trial is a disaster for David, and his wife's, wife leaves their, with their children for her mother's home as his behavior becomes increasingly unpredictable. Led by Chris, David finds a sacred Mulkurl site in the Sydney sewers 
and is confronted by an apocalyptic vision. And Chud. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of a lot of stuff around supernatural powers and visions and things that we've seen before in this series. And you got to imagine that there's going to be something to do with the plot in there. Since it's featured and there's so, so many things you can hang on to. I mean, there's like the, you know, sacred sites in the tunnels. There's the magical yeah. powers. There's the dreams and visions. Of the few. Who knows? Who right. Knows? I, I just. I don't something know how it's going to tie in, something but to definitely keep watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think that guy is a real person in universe? Or is that an obvious the in that's universe? A that's question. a movie reference that that it might give us a glimpse into John C. Riley's mind or what he's thinking. Well, then he then Michael would have to have been lying to him that he mailed it, right? Unless he just mailed it to a random David I mean, Burton in Sydney. Yeah. Well, just I mean, looked up the first one and mailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he just like you know just sent it as is. Put some put some stamps. Yeah, that's on gonna it. go. Well, that's know. gonna work. Uh, so let's talk about cousin Larry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Perfect Strangers featured prominently last, not prominently, it's in the background, is mentioned mm-hmm. that the entire cast was departed and that it also coincidentally happened to be on in the nursing home or the recovery, what it was, the convalescent home that uh, uh, Kevin Garvey Sr. Was, was staying at. That's right. And it was always on in the background. In this episode, we find out that Cousin Larry faked his own departure. Now, are you ready to have your mind blown? Yeah. Did you know that Family Matters is a Perfect Strangers spinoff? Oh, it's a spinoff? Carl Winslow was a security guard in Cousin Larry and Balky's apartment complex. Really? And his wife worked for the rental company, I believe. And obviously, connection to the episode. (laughs) And and also, Isaac, who's the guy who got Five Alarm fired, Mm -hmm. played uh, was the actor who played Carl Winslow's son, Eddie. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. There you go. <laughs> Fuck your last wave. We got a Family Matters reference. Is Steve You're right. Stefan Urkel, did he get departed? I got to know. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Isaac, another absolutely loaded Bible name. Sure. sure. Uh, I wonder if he's going to be the son that has to sacrifice himself or something, or if there'll be a, or, or uh, you know, someone can, can provide a goat so that he doesn't have to be sacrificed. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions around that too. Like, Obviously, that's an extreme event, right? He goes and burns down this guy's house for what I have guessed is his uh, blatant lying about his powers. I mean, seems to be what the... In John's eyes, blatant lying. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether he has powers or not. The episode seems to hint that he might. Um, well, just, I mean, this was this is um, the Holy Wayner situation all over yeah. again. Does Wayne have powers or not? We honestly... Even after seeing season one, you can one, make arguments for and against all day long. Yeah, so I gotta imagine that's what triggered it, right? He's just he can't tolerate these kind of scammers, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't seem like this is the first time he's done it. But he also you could also view like he some, also believes, like in in by the end, yeah, not even well, by the by end by the garbage disposal, yeah, yeah, he by the garbage believes, disposal. Yeah. He's 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 like the opposite of his son. Like his son wears his faith on his sleeve, but he's got mm-hmm. a very practical way of like, okay, but this stuff I can see it's not real. Whereas John professes to not really be a believer in any of this stuff. I don't even think he's really a church goer. I got the uh, opinion that yeah, he's been rare going to church. You, no, you're totally right. But he secretly believes it. 
Like, that's what I'm wondering, because there's also, you know, an allusion to Jesus driving the 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 money changers out of the temple, right? Like, let's get these scam artists out of here. Ah, yes. That sort of thing. So I wonder how much he actually believes in the religion versus just doesn't go to church. Like, how religious is he, right, yeah. versus spiritual? Well, that's like, man, you could... There, those The characters in this show are all over the map about that. Yeah. Like, can you call Kevin... Uh, a rational atheist, like he's turned off the religion, but I would say that he's got some kind of faith. Plus, he's seen visions and yeah, ghosts and communing with voices. Yeah, at the very least, he—I don't think he totally discounts all that stuff, right? No, and I feel the same way about John in this episode. So let's talk about the Murphys. Uh, starting right. with John. John's an interesting guy. He's a firefighter in almost a Fahrenheit four fifty one sense of the word. Uh, he's the captain of the fire department who, so he's kind of a natural counterpart to the Kevin's captain of the police. Uh, he's reading Lennon and Mandela on his nightstand. He's a deep sleeper. This reminded me oh, of, yeah. uh, one of the first bypasses where we stacked a bunch of shit on Levi. Uh-huh. Like there are people this deep asleep, I didn't believe it myself until we constructed <laughs> an edifice on this man. And, and set parts it, of it on fire. fire. <laughs> blaze, and he's yeah. still still uh, you know dead to the world. <laughs> uh he drives an honest, hardworking American truck. Mm, you, true. You, you, you put a guy in like a in an eighties, early nineties era domestic truck, and yep. that tells you he's an honest, hardworking American. Um but then they got this. I mean, I, I think this two to three to five, this is like their code for like alarms for a fire and how how hard they're involved how involved the fire is um and he's willing to is he willing to kill people he's willing to beat the shit out of them throwing through a plate glass window Uh, that's a good question he didn't seem to be willing to kill this person hmm he's willing to definitely drive him out of town and what is like what does a two look like is that they just go and like burn a hand painting and it stops there yeah they set their doghouse on fire (laughs) <laughs> uh well you know this, this show's got a long history of dog murder i also wonder like the the neighbors have to realize that the fire department showed up before this fire started right well i feel like most of the town is okay with it like his whole family really? knows what he's doing that's right they do yeah and if his whole family knows what he's doing then the other firefighters families probably know what they're doing and that's half the town and for sure, the preacher knows what John is doing because you notice that the preacher jumped right in front of the bullet that is Matt about to give gospel about his wife. You know, at, at his first at the at the church where Matt got up to give you know to talk to the you know going to be his yeah, parishioners. Yeah. What does that have to do with? He cut. I mean, John. I so the preacher gave a significant glance at John and then hurriedly cut him off, and then you could see he was visibly nervous when John came to talk to Matt and ask him about his history. So I think I feel like the preacher knows what what John is up to now. I don't know. John thinks his his wife is scamming him. Does he think this is all a big scam? Well, so I think John is slightly starting to go crazy. Like, Mm. you know, the behavior he displays with the with the Garveys and the crickets. There's something eating at him, right? That's the telltale cricket. Yeah. The the terrible chirping of the telltale cricket. Uh, There's a little bit of Poe aspect of that. I honestly don't know, but I feel like most of the town knows what this firefighting is is going, is is leading up to. And there's various levels of approval or disapproval. Like, I think maybe the preacher is fine with running out Isaac, Mm -hmm. but he obviously likes Matt and doesn't think Matt's a crazy person. 
And why is he? Yeah. Like, it seems like a lot of people are all in on the uh, miraculous nature of this town. Why is he only attacking Isaac? Is it like the obvious frauds he allows, but the people that seem like they have some genuine thing yeah, going tobacco, on? Yeah, tobacco. Miracle tobacco guy. What is he doing? Yeah. His, still alive. His son is selling souvenirs, but you could easily... I mean, obviously, the people walking well, up to that are seeing this as... Some kind of holy water. And he straight up, well, yeah, but he, if they ask, we'll straight up tell them, right? He doesn't put out a sign that says, Miracle Jarden Water, Miracle Spring Water. He's... But th- those Germans were almost asking to be talked out of it. Yes. Like the the, yeah. the, uh, the the average credulous idiot's going to see Jarden Water. How much How much was donation? Here's $20. Glug, glug, glug. I mean, he's, they're His never going to get... to know what he's doing, right? Oh, no, yeah. They've the, got to. That's what I'm saying. Like, there seems to be a little disconnect hmm. here about... We don't know enough about what John's doing to say exactly what. Why are you targeted? Is it Maybe he's also, a hypocrite, too. Maybe also, he doesn't care if his family does it, but... Is it solely about people moving into town? Because the one thing that Isaac has in common with the Garveys is Isaac was planning to host a new family. And the Garveys oh, are right. a new family. That's right. So maybe it's more about that and this this hocus pocus stuff is a cover he uses to hmm. to get the other guys in the station to go along with him. Interesting. I mean, we don't know. It's one episode in, so I don't want to belabor this too much. But it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. questions that I have. Sure. Uh, and I felt that by the time we saw Matt meet him at the church, that John was coming across as sinister. Yeah. Also, uh, we know that he's was in prison for attempted murder. Sure, that's and that he frightening, and and the reason is attempted murder is because he didn't try hard enough. Yeah, so he doesn't see there's no contrition for what he did is wrong. No, so that implies unless you think John is a monster or a psychopath, that implies that there's some self defense or something along some those justice lines. Being there's some justice being out, served. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it also makes him like a hundred percent more dangerous mm-hmm. because he's willing to kill for a justified reason and his justified reasons might not be something the average person agrees with what what do you what do you think about kevin's reaction to that he kind of doesn't well, react as severely as i expected him to frankly i thought it was the great reaction of a police of chief that is not a police of chief anymore like his, <laughs> his cop cop powers fully turned on but he's not quite sure what to do with them yeah but i think it's going to be really interesting to see um you know their little duet here like this oh, is yeah. i this is this is kind of like uh the fbi agent moving in next door to the russian spies like oh this you just just get you out your chair get out your popcorn this is going to be good um, what else we want to talk about? Oh, by the way, did you know the garbage disposals actually cannot cut your fingers off? Can't cut your fingers off. No, they're How's engineered, and I forget exactly. But if you, but they're actually engineered in such a way that they they don't actually have cutting parts at all. They they oh, it's uh, more like a grinder. They they essentially can use kinetic force to fling soft pulpy objects against a grid and do that multiple times until it gets pulped and sent through it. But if you put your fingers down there, they actually. It'd be essentially like sticking your hand into like a fan blade, that kind of pain, maybe. But it's All not right, going to well, chop no, your nobody fingers. Nobody go off. try this anyway. No, I wouldn't. You might have a really old ass garbage disposal. Yeah, they might have the scary bladed just, edition. Yeah, but uh, I, I found that on Reddit, the yeah. teeth version. And I looked at schematic, and I'm 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 not going to stick my fingers down there. No, because it looks like it would hurt. But you're, it's not going <laughs> to like savagely. It's not going to go full gremlins on you. All right. How about the the bracelets? I want to talk okay br- briefly about the bracelets because. 
the Garveys have one that is obviously like a visitor badge or a visitor bracelet sort of thing. It's yellow. I couldn't see what it said, although they show it prominently. I thought it's it said something about like temporary resident. Okay, something like something that. Like that. Uh, Matt has one that says sanctuary, which I thought was interesting and is white. Hmm. Is he is did he like say oh i'm being persecuted or something like that and i need hmm. some kind of sanctuary why would he say sanctuary we know that he moved there earlier right he moved there like a couple of months before they did huh yeah i don't i mean it could be that it's because the minister helped him get in there so like there's a class for like guests of the residence or it could be that this denotes yeah. that he has access to Maybe he can get into the water, or maybe there's actually a sanctuary. There's some kind of shrine that we haven't seen yet, and he has permission where like the outsiders can't go. Hmm. Um, Could be. I don't know. I, I don't thought know. it was interesting that they had two different kinds of badges. Yeah, and and the fact that the Garveys after a few weeks won't have to wear theirs because the yeah. park rangers will get to know them. Nine t- town of nine thousand plus. It's kind of amazing that the park rangers can know everybody by sight. It's a nine thousand. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but th- that's other than speaking of the garbage disposal, there's palpable tension in this episode from that scene on because you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for Isaac's prophecy to be fulfilled. Yep. Like, I'm not even saying that I would, even if something bad happened and something bad does happen to John, that I see that as a fulfillment of the prophecy. But this being the leftovers, you're waiting for something. Like, it could be a coincidence. But the writers are going to get you, man. Yeah. They're going to make sure that coincidence happens. Uh-huh. And maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be something spiritual to it. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Let's talk about Mrs. Murphy, Erica. She's deaf. Yeah. I feel like she's totally deaf without the, um, that's the, the scene of her putting them on and us getting no sound. And then like the, when she puts it in, implies that she's totally deaf. Yep. She's doing uh, sign language with her daughter. Uh, so someone translated that. She was saying, you don't need to worry. Ah, because she, she did look distressed, the daughter. And that was clearly a conversation Eating. that their father was not intended to hear. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that that was also maybe her reacting to her father doing the five-alarm fire. Mm-hmm. And because uh, her 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 um, daughter was like, it, you, you didn't get the full thing, but I guess she was saying something about needing something. And then her uh, her mother said, you don't need to worry. What about the bird box? The fucking the bird, bird box. box? Are, are we in a pet cemetery? Is that what's happening here? Okay, so there's a couple possibilities. Pet cemetery. All right, that's my initial thought. There's also the thought that nothing can die in Jarden. Nothing can die. So she buried it, expecting it to be dead the next day. No. Or a week ago. Maybe whatever. feeling like it's because that also, um, maybe Jerry, the guy sacrificing goats, is sacrificing the same goat every day. <laughs> Spilling the same blood over and over. I'll tell you, I'll, let, me, let me let me deploy a little uh, a tinfoil theory that I really like off of Reddit. Okay. What did Evie give her father as the best birthday present ever? So... I have that question written down as well. We don't actually see... She says, don't open it until I'm gone, uh-huh. which she then disappears totally. Uh-huh. Uh, he never opens it that we see. Is it something that says, hey, I'm going to disappear on purpose? Is it something that he will recognize in hindsight has to do with her disappearance? Well, see, she had a big smile on her face when she said, like, it's the best present in the world. Mm-hmm. Here's the theory on Reddit that I instantly liked. It's a dead cricket. Ah, she okay. found the cricket, 
killed it, put it in the box, and the last sound we hear is her mother sitting in the living room where you might put a present that you kind of like sat on and and was going to open, but then you forgot about it, and you hear a chirp. Mm. And that we're going to find out next episode that she opens it and the cricket's back alive. And whoo! So that would be apply more of a a pet cemetery. Type of Wait, thing. but the things can be why, killed, but they come back. Why would the why would the cricket be dead if we hear a chirp? That's what I say. It was dead. She put it in this box, similarly to the bird. Who we? Can... What if she just caught it and put it in there? There's nothing to say it was dead. Yeah, I mean, sure, but I'm think I'm I'm saying that the context of the show eventually will reveal one way or another. Okay, because so. we also don't Maybe know. So. Did she take that we bird? We don't know that the bird was dead. Yeah. And bury it and think it's going to be dead and is alive, or was the bird sick yes. and wounded, or was the bird dead? We don't know. But that's one of the theories that I really really like because it's that's she shakes it. And like it kind of sounds like it could be a, de- a dead cricket in there. Uh-huh. And then why else would you hear the cricket at the very last scene with her mother looking kind of devastated? I like it. It's um, good. Yeah, no, I like that a lot too. Uh, anything more about Erica? She's uh, fully complicit with what her and approving of what her her husband. And she's doing. a doctor, a nurse, something and like she's that. She's at least a nurse, probably yeah. a doctor. I didn't take a look. I don't at think her they let nurses stitch you up. No, okay, maybe she's a probably nurse a practitioner, but I don't know. Whatever uh, she is, she's a medical caregiver. Um, so let's talk about Michael. Uh, again, we talked about him being the worst. Sh- uh, shyster of all time because he's just too honest about <laughs> the supernatural right. nature of his water. Uh-huh. He's involved in a church. He's some kind of deacon. He plays with the elderly. Uh, I think we've actually covered most of the points I had for for Michael. Here, he's I got invested one. Invested in John C. Riley. I got one. Yep. What the fuck does a couple of Jill and Michael look like? What do you mean? Jill's into sex parties and drugs and really? stealing baby Jesuses. Is she yeah, really? Yeah, man. I think she fell into the wrong crowd. I mean, she's laughing at jokes about her dad, uh, her dad fucking a black guy. No, <laughs> her mom fucking a black guy. Well, stepmom. That's not really stepmom. Her dad slammed sure. these. Uh, Michael did not laugh at that joke is all I'm saying. Well, yeah, I mean, Michael I, is a wholesome religious kid. But that's she who Jill, is the opposite. But that's who Jill was when she had her braces on and was winning the science fair uh, until the departure. Maybe she longs to get back to that. And there's, mm, first of all, the guy's attractive. Maybe she does, but everything I've seen says this couple is doomed. Well, I mean, this is the leftovers. This isn't the happy, happy, matchy, matchy doomed show. Regardless, yeah. So, but I, yeah, I, I think on the face of it there, I thought, you know, obviously there's sparks flying there. He 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 likes her and she likes him. Oh, sure, but they know nothing about each other. True. They just know they're about the same age and they're, they're attractive. Cute. Yeah. That's but you have you not been a teenager before? That's kind of all you sure. need. <laughs> yeah, but you dig a little bit. The profess you... the profess love. I didn't do much digging. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's what you, that's that's the wisdom that comes with age, my friend. Nah. Uh, uh. Um uh so yeah, let's move on to daughter Evie, who we find out is a great singer. Mm-hmm. Uh she runs naked through the woods with her coven of uh, teenage witches. Uh huh. And I they mean, show it all. So what do you? I've seen everything, Patrick Stewart style. Uh, <laughs> it's non-sexual nudity. Yeah, I don't think these actresses are teenagers in real life. I can't imagine they're underage. No. But then again, there was some underage nudity in like American Beauty. Like Thora Birch, I believe, was not. She had her parents' permission to have her boobs in that. I think maybe you're right. Yeah. So it's like it's not unheard of. It's always mildly kind of uncomfortable, but I sure it didn't get a rise out of me in any way. Well, other it's so than, non-sexualized, right? It this, is. This running is not meant to be sexual. It's meant no. to be show their free spirit, show something. But I 
you see, I, I, Seven Wall said it's to show how free spirited and this community nature. They were super serious about what they were doing. I yeah, think. It, well, it was more not even communing with nature. It was a god thing, in my opinion. Really, she comes straight from this this singing thing she's got with the choir, singing about the disappearance huh. and the, these kind of religious things, and then right. she goes out into the woods and starts sprinting, puts her arms out like she's yeah. worshiping something. Yeah, no, I it, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't just all about you know free spirited stuff. There was something yeah, yeah. serious to it, something solemn to it. Um, yeah, like maybe it's a ritual they have or something. But yeah, uh, we already talked about this cricket spe- speculation. Let's talk about the the pie. The, the, the pie? Who baked what the pie? The hell is, who baked the pie? Well, the pie poison? The pie clearly is not poison. It's not. They all unless ate we it. get some bad news at the end of episode two. I assume they all ate it because that's what's happening next episode. Next episode, we're going to get the Garvey's POV. Yeah, all the way up to the very end of the episode, which I got some interesting thoughts on on that as well. Yeah, seems like it. Uh, but it he tries to give it away and it returns. Mm. It's this kind of uh, monkey paw sort of thing, right? Mm. With the but the it's por- also ultimately ho- harmless. Pie. He's like he's also knowing that like yeah. not all of the town agrees with him, and he's paranoid that someone might be trying to poison him. Mm-hmm. And also because Isaac told him something bad's going to happen to him. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about the earthquake? Sure. So here's the facts. Evie didn't. Co- She's supposed to come home at eleven. We're under. We're to, we're to understand that Evie is a good girl, or at least her parents think of her as a good girl because she's never done this before. And yet, we also see her flirting with Doctor Goodhart in kind of a cruel way. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's clearly fucking with she's him. She's toying with him. Yeah. Uh, we also see her running naked through the woods. Something I don't think uh, her dad would approve of. She tells a terrible dad joke. It's real bad. Yeah. Uh, and they have also there's like a, there's an intensity to them throwing the ball around. Yeah, and not just the way like, they film it. The way it's it's not just like she's competitive or dad. Like they're the way they're filming that. That's almost like them fighting. Yeah, and, and then the tension is with, diffused by the joke. And and it you know ties in with her having that discussion with her mom. Yeah, she's upset about something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they get there. The 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 earthquake happens at approximately three o'clock in the morning. So this is four hours past curfew. Mm-hmm. They get there. The car is on. I think it's running. The windows are up. The music is playing. The doors are locked. The water is gone. And the kids are gone. <laughs> so there's a couple possibilities The here. fish are not gone. Do you think it's possible that the girls departed? Yes. Okay. Me too. I don't think it has to be a singular event. I don't think it has to be. And that's the, the fact that, that we don't know either way is you can't dismiss it. Agreed. Yeah. Is it possible the girls decided to fake their departure? How? And, and what the, about and the, the earthquake? Well, that's just a coincidence. Coincidence. Because they decided to do that, and they're long gone, and then the earthquake happened at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, are they, I know these girls are went. all up in the water, and they love being in the water, but yeah. do you really go skinny dipping for four fucking hours? And also, like, people are like, well, they left the, they left the car on so they have light and sound and music. You can't hear fucking music. It's, like, muffled. If they're going to, with all the doors, they're going to use yeah. that for the jukebox feature of it. They or the boombox feature roll of it. Roll the windows down. Roll the windows down. Open up the car doors. No, that wouldn't seem to make sense. That they would be in the water unless they were just blatantly like, "Fuck you, Dad! I'm going to stay out as late and as I want." That doesn't seem like. I think there is an edge to Evie that her parents don't understand. But, but it's not that rebellious. Not type. that openly rebellious. Like, yeah. She's like early stages. In fact, there's someone made a comparison. 
that it might be even one of our feedbackers, which we'll get to in a minute, that the Murphys are early stage Garvey. Okay. That because they didn't suffer any departures and their town has kind of been spared, they've in this bubble, but the outside world is the weirdness of it is still intrusive enough that they're going through the same kind of cycle of hmm. despair and what am I doing and I don't belong here. And that, like, I could see that the stuff Evie's doing in this episode could be stuff that maybe Jill did six months into the departure. Yeah. After her parents started to split Next, up. Next, it's and sex parties and drugs. It's going to be sex parties and drugs and spinning the iPhone and stealing baby Jesus. And the bathtub Madonna is going to be gone. Episode three. <laughs> Bet on it. Yep. Uh I don't know. So that's interesting. It doesn't feel like the timing lines up for them to be in the water at that point. No, it doesn't. Uh, and my first thought was they they ran away or they disappeared themselves somehow. The fake departure angle is interesting because you could say that the cousin Larry, which is uh, which is otherwise just kind of a humorous throw off, yeah. is foreshadowing. Yeah, it could be a clue. Did you know that cousin Larry, the actor that plays him, actually auditioned for the leftovers? What role? I uh, um, Perota doesn't say it. He just mentioned uh, that he did, and he said that. But by that point, by the time he put in his name in the hat, that they had already written in that all the family member or all the the perfect stranger cast had been departed. Damn. So they kind of wrote this in almost as like a that part of a joke. But also, you can't. I mean, this is a show that works on many levels. So mm-hmm. I don't know. The fake departure is interesting. A real second departure is interesting. I think that's frankly the more interesting option is if they've actually been departed or if that's what the town thinks anyway yeah um, given that all the water's gone i think that's a not a bad assumption let me ask you this yeah kevin blacks out and does a whole bunch of bad stuff in his sleep <laughs> that's right he does is kevin related to the girl's departure and disappearance or will what kevin, about the water will though? kevin be afraid that he is uh maybe maybe uh also what if there is some magical property about the 9261 four people came into the town Three people had to leave, or four people had to leave. Isaac was thrown out, and the three girls either disappeared, got sucked down a water hole, or ran off. Doctor Goodhart might be gone. He might have got, but he's not a resident. Disappeared. I don't like the magic. Doesn't work on non. I I haven't fully developed this theory. This is something I saw on Reddit this this morning as well. But I thought that was interesting too. A one for one sort of thing. Yeah, like there's something special about that, and and like you know there's a there's a cosmic balance. Did you try looking up like the ninth book of the Bible, verse like chapter three twenty one or something? No, like that? <laughs> but did you know that nine thousand two hundred sixty one? The prime factorization of that is three 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 seven seven seven. No, I didn't know that. And that's not a there's that <laughs> I that is not a fucking coincidence. Those are very significant biblical numbers. Sure. You got sure. the Trinity repeated three times. You got seven, which is I can't remember why I, that signifies some kind of perfection or completeness. Yeah, you'd see it with the seven headed dragon, and um, uh, you know Jesus was dead for seven. The menorah has seven lights on it, like. I don't remember why all that's sacred numbers, but, you mm. know, Jesus was dead for three days and Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think all this stuff is going – some of this stuff is just like oogie-boogie background that am- clearly amuses both Lindelof and Parada. Yeah. But I like it. So Sure. It, it works for me. The, the questions that, it are, that arise from it are interesting. All right. Let's move on to the Garveys, and then we're about to get the feedback. Why does Kevin go into his fugue state in the living room when he sees the couch? I think it 
I think it actually does look like his couch. I think it's a view of the living room and reminding us that, hey, a season one happened. And remember all the crazy shit that went down? Oh, here's a view that's kind of similar. So what if next episode we see it from his point of view and Patty's sitting on the couch? All right. That's the best the best suggestion I saw for like the, that that he actually had that one he of his saw, visions yeah. and he tried to cover it by saying some yeah. bullshit about oh we got the same IKEA couch. Right. Um, That'll work. And again, I don't have much else to say. Uh, so Kevin came to the house, got out of the 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 car with the U-Haul wagon, did not have a bandaid on his head. Hmm. When Nora comes to the door looking flustered, when John comes, they offer a pie, and there's banging and crashing in the background, and Kevin shows up with a Band-Aid on his head. A deer got in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) He was trying to shoot it out. It's a goat. Yeah, it's a goat. Uh, They're tired. They're tired of being killed. Um, That's that's why there's so many that you can just knife every day. Yeah, I think we'll find out about that next episode. Uh, Certainly. But is Kevin having these violent episodes now? Uh, continuing could, to have violent episodes, I should I mean, say. That could be a red herring. It could be as simple as he banged his head while he was moving. Yeah, something about uh, Nora. Something about Carrie Coon coming to the door looking yeah. flustered. Um, and the fact that Kevin was pretty evasive about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, there's something to that. But again, I'm confident that we'll find out that next episode. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, next episode we'll get to see what the Garvey's POV. How they left. Why did they left Mapleton? How did they leave Mapleton? How did Matt? How did Matt arrange that? Uh, yeah. How did he get him in? These are all things I'm expecting to see next episode, right? So the, he mentions like the Dunbar house. So a family next door was named the Dunbars. Mm-hmm. What happened to them? The fuck happened to the Dunbars? I don't know. Where the Dunbars at, String? Their house didn't get burnt down, so no, no. Maybe it was just a two alarm fire. <laughs> Set their couch on fire. That's where your beat. That's where they take Subway footlong subs and they beat you with them. <laughs> Uh, until the sandwich disintegrates, and then they leave you with effective. a mess of processed meat and shredded lettuce. <laughs> it's and effective and cheap. Ten yes. bucks. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, you can have a whole, you can have a whole platoon of firefighters. Twenty dollars, five in February. Oh, yeah. If it's February, yeah, that's that's cost effective club. I get the meatball sub. Has Ooh. a little more bulk. Oh wow, I'd go for the uh, the Italian BMT. Because it's Italian, so right. it's already got a rough edge. Three to layers it. of meat. It's already got some some mob connections, some right. mob ties, <laughs> right. and then it's the big, bigger, meatier, tastier. Yeah, that that can do some damage. Before we get on the feedback, I wanted to do some pimping. Uh, cool. We uh, are a we're, we're bald move. Me and Jim here, just two guys in Cincinnati, uh, trying to be independent podcasters, and we've been successful for knock on wood about two years now. Yeah, it depends on your definition. <laughs> We've survived. That's true. That much we haven't true. departed. We haven't suddenly departed out of the studio because uh, we got kicked out, mm-hmm. and the sheriff has come and told us to get our shit and throw our microphone in the street. That'd be a sad. <laughs> that'd be some sad shit. Uh, the reason we haven't been forced from our homes and had to move to Jarden is that uh, the generosity of our uh, of our fans and our community here at Bald Move, uh, and and the way they support us is going to club.baldmove.com. And it's not just a like give us money kind of thing. It's 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 for as cheap as a buck as a buck a month. Or it's inexpensive. It's not cheap. Bald Move is premium, but it's inexpensive and affordable. For yeah. for a buck a month, you get ad free podcasts. You get to watch us record the podcast live. You get to do live watches where we usually make fun of television that we're watching. We're doing some Kung Fu Fridays. Has been kind of fun. Oh yeah, we we're did watching uh, Kung Fu movie. Legend of Drunken Master. We just did Protector Two, which was a shit show, oh, yeah. but fun to watch. Um, we, we do a lot of c- cool stuff. There's a VIP forums. Um, 
uh, Lunch with Jim and Aaron, where it's kind of our, our weekly variety show where we just get on camera and we drink and we talk with fans. You can interact with us live. Lots of cool stuff for just a buck a month. Go to club.baldmove.com to find out how you can support independent podcasting because, honestly, we couldn't do it without you. And uh, if you can't... Uh, if, if you're not into recurring monthly payments or that kind of stuff, you can go to amazon.baldmove.com. It's our Amazon affiliate link. You go to amazon.baldmove.com. It deposits you to Amazon, and you're just ready to – your shopping cart is preloaded with our, our affiliate link, and anything you buy in that session, we get a tiny cutoff, and it doesn't cost you anything. That's the brilliant part. And also, if you're international, you can go to support.baldmove.com, and we actually have an affiliate program for many, many countries – Canada, uh, Japan, Germany, France, Spain, the UK. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm calling y'all out. We got and, and more. I can't even think of all the geographic regions uh, we've got. Putin. We don't have a Russian site, but we're coming for you as soon as we do. Do we have one for Cairo? Want all the rubles? Egypt. I don't think so. No. Definitely. We also the, the Australia. We definitely got an Australian site. Oh yeah. So Dr. Goodhart, don't yeah. don't don't think we left you out. Send those water samples our way. Uh, we want to be protected too, uh, but do that at uh, Amazon.baldmove.com and Club.baldmove.com. And thanks in advance for your support. Are we ready for feedback? Definitely. All right. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so two ways: leftovers at baldmove.com, not the just leftovers because I'm lazy. Leftovers at baldmove.com, and we got a forum on forums.baldmove.com where we discuss this. I'm I'm betting it's going to be rollicking. Uh, first up, Hunter from Memphis, Tennessee. My question, do you think we'll ever get to see a second departure? My answer, Hunter, is are you sure we haven't seen one? Yeah. He continues, I feel like if we ever get one, it would have to be in season two. I would feel weird. This was actually he sent before the, the he sent this right before Sundays in, in response to a preview thread. Mm-hmm. It'd feel weird to me if they did one in season four, because at that point, I would assume the event is almost an afterthought. I go back and forth on whether I'd like to see the show go down that road because if it happens again, I feel like it's impossible not to have the characters try to get to the bottom of the mystery, which we've been told won't happen. I will point out that it'd be like Lindelof to be a rules lawyer and say, I'm never going to address the first departure, but any subsequent departures are fair game. Like this How do you man, even start to investigate that, though? Like at, at what's essentially a supernatural event. Let's go down in the crack of of the river and see what's down there i guess but you, you need to look at satellite imagery and temperature readings and they can measure so much shit it'll get real sciencey really fast but sure they'd, they'd have to science the shit out of the situation they would uh he continues hunter does i think the craziest most balls to the wall way to do this in season two uh, is had the town to survive the last one jarden massacred by the second departure with the garvey's the only few left 9,261 people disappear, and it's just the Garvey's. Hmm. That would be crazy. All right. It would be crazy, yeah. And again, like, either featuring a second departure or having a threat of a second departure would be soups interesting. Here's what I like. If this is, in fact, a second departure, yeah. it's very limited departure. Mm. And it might actually create a lot of tension between John's family and the rest of the town because the rest of the town won't want to acknowledge that there was a departure there because it or maybe no they blame miracle, John, right? Maybe they blame John on maybe they think he's a charlatan. You're trying to take the miracle. He's been running the charlatans out. You're like, trying to take the miracle out of Jordan. And the, look what the you amount did, of John. drama that that second departure in this limited scope would create is really interesting. Yeah, it's like I've always I've always thought that the death of our rational civilization could be 
like the coincidental prediction of some major cult that an a- that the end is going to come and then the earth gets smacked by an asteroid just out of coincidence yeah yeah like you, you i don't know how many scientists you i don't know how many neil degrasse tysons you get up there and saying it's just a coincidence <laughs> people they're going to gut him like a fish and yeah. try to appease whatever pissed us off and killed half the population. It's just going to happen. Sure, we're just we're just not that far into this whole rational phase of ours. So that would be cool. A town just completely losing its shit and trying to find any scapegoat. Yeah, which is in itself a religious term uh, to to hang on and 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 take upon the sins of the town so this doesn't happen again. That would be really interesting. Nathan P. says, I can't wait for next week. I love how they tied the gaps with Kevin, his head wound, the sofa vision, or whatever, to his deteriorating mental state, just as with last season's lapses in memory. Does anyone else want to see an episode limit, or set an episode limit, on Jill and Michael hooking up? Last time I remember, we were half an episode off on the Kevin and Nora hookup situation. And this is a literal girl next door mixed with a future Montague and uh, Capulet situation that I can see happening. That's Romeo and Juliet. Uh, so here, not up in your Shakespeare. I don't think we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it as soon this time because of the way the season is structured. Plus, they're kids. Because next, well, I'm, I mean, Jill, Jill's hooked up with plenty of people. Has she? Well, at least one. Has she? Yeah, didn't she? No, the dude jerked himself off. Oh, that's right. And she's clearly kind of like I don't think that she. I yeah, think she's kind of over all that, honestly. Uh, but so the season if they brought Jill's friend. Go, sure, I'd put the over and under on half an episode. But the season as it's going to go is this episode. Then the next episode is going to be a repeat of this episode from a different perspective. Yeah, how do you even call that? Then episode three is going to be going back to Tommy and and that's uh, what we've heard. Yeah, Kevin's ex wife, whatever her name is, I forget. Yeah. Uh, so you're at least to episode four. I don't feel like the very next thing we see from Jill and Michael is going to be hooking up mm-hmm. in, in the way you're talking. But about. who knows? So they could maybe five? They could flash forward 5,000 years in the future where the Jill and Michael are heads in a tank and uh-huh. they could have been fucking for 4,999 years. And it'll just be a, a scene of Jill giving birth and getting bit by a snake. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's bad news. Uh, so yeah, I that's I would with, say episode five with the topsy turvy nature of this um, hooking up. Hmm, and how like are we talking about then making up or then making out and then fade to black? Is that count as a hookup or do they have to actually have a sex scene? Good question. And is this gross that we're talking about high schoolers, us being thirty year old men? No, I, it's natural. Shit it's as natural as teenagers running naked, wild and free in the woods. Yeah, dude. what's wrong, with, wrong that? with that? Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the bets off the board. It's too unseemly. I'm not gonna bet on teenagers fucking coward. Coward it off the board. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, Nathan continues. I think it's safe to say that Kevin is going to convince himself that he kidnapped the girls, especially if he's got Ghost Patty still shitting, stirring shit in his head. Mm, yeah, I like that theory. Ghost uh, Patty. Now to talk about the opening. He thinks the song... We didn't talk about this. We were worried about... Oh, we were right. both in kind of disbelief that this was going to be the theme song. What did you think of it? I'm still kind of in disbelief, honestly. I think it fits really well with the kind of... And these pictures are somber the more you look at them. Like, there's some that are kind of like, oh, dark. Um, and also the fact that, like, just let the mystery be. It's kind of like Lindelof begging with us. Just just shut up. Just watch my show. Yeah, I... I don't know. I Look, like, can I can I come back on Twitter? How many seasons of good television <laughs> do I have to produce? Where I'm being honest about just stringing you along and never giving you an answer before I can come back to Twitter. Mm-hmm. He's a Twitter expat, man. 
No, I, I'm still not feeling it yet. Give me a couple more episodes. Maybe it'll grow on me. But All right. Nathan's wow. opinion is the song is good. It doesn't fit last season's grim tone, but I think that's intended. Mm-hmm. The setting this time is a protected holy town, holy in quotation marks. So an upbeat song with darker undertones fits the theme of the season, especially with the Murphy family. The photos used are good with weird editing in some places. There seems to be a lot of disappearing parents and children being abandoned, which is sad more from the implication. There's that implication again. Rather than execution done in season one. Uh, I hate the font, though. I had a thought that maybe the photos might change as the season progressed, becoming more panicked and saddened as Miracle deteriorates. Hmm. What would you think of that? I, I don't think they'll do it because that's not HBO's style. But having the same song where you play it like a half beat slower yeah. every week and some photos are subtly changed. I think that'd be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, that's totally a, that's a Cinemax thing to do because they do that shit on Banshee. Sure. Um, but I totally would love that. So it's like the whole the, the, the whole show is getting more and twisted and corrupt as, as time goes on. All right. Thanks for that, Nathan. Moving on to Brian from Jupiter, Florida, home of the freak show. Uh, I'm writing because and I you might not know this, Brian, but your town was featured in American Horror. I met you have oh. to if you oh. live if you really live in Jupiter, Florida, and this is not just a a a. Uh, a, a trying to carry favor with me uh, doing the American Horror Story podcast. You surely have to know if you live in a small town when it's featured on a national television show, right? Probably. Like yeah. That's number one news on Jupiter, Florida, that, that surprise, Ryan Murphy's made you into a freak show town <laughs> with dandies and flipper well, guys. And first you made boys. yourself into a freak show town, and then, <laughs> then Ryan, Ryan Murphy, Murphy came Cabbaged along. on. He got his lobster claws on you. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Brian from Jupiter, Florida said... I'm writing because I'm worried that this show is trying to have its cake and eat it, too, when it comes to all these mysteries. Have its pie. Have its pie and eat it, too. It's poisonous pie. You should have gone with that. We know from interviews that this show will not offer us any answers to these supernatural mysteries and instead will focus on the human reactions to the supernatural events. However, I can't help but feel like when you constantly tease us with mystery after mystery, you eventually owe it to the audience to supply answers. Oh, boy. I say this as a person who is perfectly happy with the first season and not getting any answers for The Vanishing. I feel like if you aren't going to give us answers, you should uh, just do one miracle and then stay completely in the real world with real human reactions. But instead, they seem destined to keep piling on magical event after magical event. Okay. Do they? Two responses. Yes. One, are they? That's a fair question. Because we have not seen... I mean, there was a lot of these conversations happening in season one, and it turns out that you... I defy anyone to say that anything that happened in season one is defi- def- def- definitely or defiantly yeah. <laughs> supernatural or rational. Uh-huh. They all can be – a lot of them can be explained by visions. It honestly says more about crazy. you, how, if you abs- how you describe these events. Sure. Uh, that's part of the show, right? The show is trying to deal with how people react to these situations. How do you react to the show? All right. That's also a question. The second part is you're not wrong. Like, some of this is, like, rules lawyering to a certain extent. If Lindelof says, I'm not going to give you any answers, he, he, but then continues to pile mystery on mystery on mystery, I do think that there is a shelf life on that. But I will say that okay. I I would have been completely happy, and I think you're with me on this, if we just got season one of The Leftovers and we didn't get a season two. Yeah. Because while there was still a lot of mysteries they wrapped up enough thing and gave us such a satisfying conclusion to that chapter that I didn't need. I wanted more, yeah, yeah. but I didn't need more to feel like no. I didn't feel like I was jerked around. No, so, I never felt like 
I wanted the answer that they were refusing to give me. Uh, so if every season can kind of end like that, I, I would be content with uh, with seeing that. And I, also, I saw in the forum, I, I wanted to cut. I thought I cut and pasted this in my notes, but I'm gonna have to wing it. Someone on forum looked at the ratings, and they're not great. Like 700,000 people watched it, which is less than half of the worst rated uh, the leftovers from last season. Wow. Uh, and they're worried. Like, are did they advertise this? Because they advertised the shit out of it on HBO yes. season one, but I didn't see it. There's single people on the damn forum thing. saying they didn't get advertising, but like, yeah. I, it's, it's been in all of my HBO Go stuff. I've you know watched a lot of HBO, and it's it's been they've been really? showing the trailer. I haven't seen it. Well, I mean, so maybe they didn't advertise it as ubiquitously as they did last season. Yeah, but then again. I just don't know how much. I HBO... bet a lot of people didn't know it was starting back up. How much HBO were you watching this summer, though? Nah, now you mention it, not a ton. Because we were watching the leftovers in relation to Game of Thrones. Yeah, so we were watching it every week. And see, I've been watching. So H- it doesn't help that they didn't have a Game of Thrones to promote it on, right? Or really, not anything. Like if you yeah. weren't watching, uh, Show Me a Hero was over a while ago and so was uh the brink so was the ballers, ballers i yeah. mean if you're not watching bill maher and john oliver yeah i haven't kept up with john oliver over the last few weeks so that's where i've been seeing it okay but um yeah i mean but having no game of thrones to advertise during yeah. probably really hurt it yeah and it had that lead up um i will say that hbo doesn't give a lot of they, they don't care about ratings a lot mm-hmm um, if a show continues to get nominations and especially wins for Emmys, that they will keep that going because they like having their prestige channel and people subscribe to HBO because of the prestige. And if people don't watch all the things they put on the banquet, they'd still like having it there. So, yeah, the idea that I can go to HBO now or go or whatever sure. and turn on basically anything on there. Yeah. Uh, aside from maybe the after after hours adult late night stuff, and especially uh, that, yeah. Well, I mean that's my personal <laughs> time. Uh, if I can turn on basically anything on that network and be satisfied, knowing that I'm going to have a good experience, that's valuable in and of itself. Yeah. So I'm not totally worried, and honestly, we're going to get this season. And if they mm-hmm. can end this season the same way they did last season, where again I would love more, but I don't need any more. They can keep doing this season by season by season, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, yeah or just put I mean, a bow on it. yeah, and, and yeah, like, ha- three quarters of a million sounds pretty bad, but for HBO, I don't think that's like cancel me territory. I have no idea, especially since I don't. I don't. Also, the other thing is how much does the leftovers cost? Because mm-hmm. I know what eventually doomed, uh, you know, Deadwood and the Boardwalk Empire is that they were very expensive shows that were also they're period pieces, right? Not getting which is inherently more expensive. Right. And they're also not getting ratings and doing that after a while, like HBO's like, okay. But the, yeah. But even then, those shows got, you know, five four or five season runs. So Deadwood did? Deadwood got at least three. I think they got they got three. Oh shit. I was under the impression it was Boardwalk like Empire got Boardwalk Empire got five and that was yeah like three after their main boardwalk set got destroyed, which was the most expensive thing about the thing. So true. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's time to panic um, just yet. And and you're right. Some of this could be explained. It just didn't have game of Thrones lead in. Yeah. So it was being advertised perhaps just people weren't watching it. Dan H from Manchester. Miracle had an eerie Truman show twilight zone aesthetic to it mm-hmm. that you could really feel from the way it was directed. Can you name any other show that would have the balls to not only change characters and settings, but also open with those opening titles and that opening sequence? 
Hard to imagine. Yeah. I mean, the, I won't say it wasn't bold. The the Mr. Robot font on the intro was the one that I was like, that's a really weird choice. I like the Mr. Robot Dude. font. I love it. I like the Mr. Yeah. Robot font. I don't know I like it on the leftovers. Oh, oh, in, in this intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like that really weird... Like early eighties, faux high tech bubble font. Yeah, it's Pac-Man like an astronaut font. from the seventies font. Right? Yeah, there like, you go. That type of stuff. But yeah, it's it's not a great font. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I did really like how they didn't just take people out, but they actually put interesting things in there. Like you know, there's like lightning bolts or like cosmic things. Or... I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to redesign our logo, use that font, and have you disappeared out of it and me there. <laughs> Fine, fine. <laughs> the less of my face on the internet, the better. Uh, so a theory, um, we continue here with uh, Dan from Manchester. My theory on the opening sequence is it's supposed to represent our characters. The woman was a leftover after her people died, and she dwelled on it much like Kevin and Nora, etc. from last season. She then eventually moved on and ventured out into the world only to get bitten. Our character is going to get mm. bitten by the poison underneath Miracle's veneer. That pie is going to poison curl pies. up and strike. Mm-hmm. Pie to the face. You can't recover from that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm half applauding them and half super confused by that intro. Barry C., are we to believe that John Murphy and his fireman buddies are such militant atheists slash reason-minded folk that they are punishing anyone who encourages discourse about God slash miracles slash aliens slash spaghetti monsters? <laughs> it's... Certainly an interesting wrinkle to the many strange ways we've seen groups of people react to the event. If so, what plot points do you think this will bring up? I think there's a feeling that in this day and age, atheists can just be, be just as aggressive, unreasonable, and dogmatic as believers. Oh, sure. Which I assume is what will be explored here. What do you think? Okay. I mean, that's not something they would shy away from As an aggressive, unreasonable, sure. and dogmatic atheist yourself. Yes. As a, a Richard do you Dawkins protege. Are you being persecuted? Uh, every day. All, all day, every day. <laughs> but mostly by you. Uh no, I I don't think the show would shy away from portraying that mm. reaction as well. Uh, but there's something about the thing you said about these these families moving in that I think there's more there to it than just you're a charlatan. Hmm. Okay. Uh, he said, "P.S. With Mad Men over, is Leftovers the most compelling show on TV right now? It's one of the few shows where I begrudge blinking for even an instant. I just can't stop watching." It's up there. It's compelling. Yeah, it's way up there. Because like, how, I mean, compelling is hard to measure because I got like D. I mean, Mr. Someone, Robot was compelling. Right. Uh, Game of Thrones is super compelling. I got D from Australia, uh, I, who I, I respect and admire a lot. Mm-hmm. And I respect her opinion on television. She fucking hates the show. All right. Like, rat, like, like passionately. Is it because of the, the tone of it? I don't know. Because like, I, was, I was getting overload on that. Uh, mm. Last season, um, I, I mean, I, I think it's just different tastes, and 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 you know, it's like some people like caviar, and some people think it's like King Neptune shooting a load in your mouth. Like, <laughs> uh, it was the one-two punch of True Detective and this that was like, oh, see, I think maybe that this is my caviar. Like other people are right. like, that's disgusting. Are you're paying two hundred dollars an ounce for this shit? And I'm like, yes, give me more. Put it on a yeah. cracker with tiny spoons. I just want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's my durian, it's my jizz smelling fruit. I don't. I that's I, I got an acquired taste for it, and I love it. Okay. Um, but for my, I mean, with True Detective and Game of Thrones not in any position to threaten it this year, 
Yeah. Uh, I will say that it's got a pretty good lock and my favorite show in television. If it, it continues its run throughout the season, the way it carried itself into the first episode. Yeah, we'll see a lot, a lot of, a lot of runway left, right? Yeah, but that's what I was like. True Detective <laughs> and, and Game of Thrones left themselves vulnerable to to oh, yeah. not getting Big the number time. one spot on the Baldies. And we still got Fargo. We do. Uh, and Justified was really good. Uh, shot F. My first thought was perhaps this, that we were seeing early humans in southern Europe, western Asia, somewhere near the cradle of life. I know that there's been speculation that this was a scene that was showing a departure thousands of years ago because the cave woman experienced something unexplainable to her. My thought was actually something more along the lines of a broken balance in nature or religion, wherever, whatever you want to call it. I think she was fated to die in that cave with her people. For some reason, something made her wake up. Something made her leave that cave moments before it collapsed. That reason is actually her bladder. Yes. Uh, I want to clear up that mystery for you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I take this to mean something more than simply needing to use the restroom. Damn it. He, he precognitively dismissed my objection. <laughs> What this was, I cannot speculate, but my thought was that she had her baby cheat and cheated fate and thus cheated death, and death cannot be cheated. Final destination, a la baby. final destination. Yep. You're on the same wavelength here with him. So this is God reclaiming all of the missed fate opportunities or missed uh, departures? Ooh, that would be interesting. Like, if you like know the, what? You guys have been cheating too long. Time to yank the cord. Yeah, like human, Pull you all out of here. Humans were a much smaller tribe back in the day. Like, I remember reading a statistic, like, through DNA analysis, scientists had determined that at one point the human population had dwindled to, like, 10, less than 10,000 people. From something much higher? From something much higher. Like, I don't hmm. know, much higher, like 100,000 or whatever. But there was some oh. kind of... Um, you know, mass migration or uh, ice age or something that really put the hurts on us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe we, we, we would have lost to the Neanderthals or mm. one of the other uh, proto-humans. But uh, uh, life found the way and we end up kicking this planet's ass. Yeah, baby. Homo life sapien. is hedging its bets, man. Homo sapien for life. Life will just do Neanderthals. It'll do Homo sapien. It'll do whatever, man. Literally, I'm it stuck being a, a Homo sapien. Um, yeah. So he's going to uh, – what was I saying with that? Oh, so, so this reclaiming this, this isn't yeah. ridiculous. Like if if maybe this people in this tri- this cave and a couple other caves around it could have been plausibly two percent of the population, and this is like a some kind oh, of life balance oh. situation. See, I was saying like all of these people who've cheated death over the centuries, cheated their fates over the yeah, centuries. I'm same way. God's now making up for that, right? I'm just like, you know like, what? In it's caveman about 2% days, of the population, I'm it was it. much less number. Where now it's like, you know, hundreds of millions because we're a much, much bigger, successful species. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so anyway, his, his thought, uh, Sean's continued thought is, um, because of this unexplained act of her waking up and surviving and then giving birth, she initiated an imbalance in the natural order of the world. We see this imbalance almost reestablished when the serpent, ironic, is crawling on her baby and she makes it in time to keep her child safe. But part of the imbalance is corrected because she dies, but her baby survives. Obviously, we do not know what happened with the child throughout its entire life, but what if this imbalance in nature was able to cheat death time and time again and lived a long, full life? What if this baby had children of its own, then grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so on? And it took all the descendants of this baby? The speculation is that this child created countless more imbalances in nature, and what if the departure is Mother Nature, God, or any other unexplained supernatural being's attempt at finally correcting this imbalance? See, I promised I wouldn't do entertain theories about the departure and look at me doing first episode i'm weak this is a good one i'm I like weak. It, i know right this is why i put that caveat in there 
Uh, even if it took tens of thousands of years to settle the, the the books, what if all of the departed in one way or another were directly related to that baby yep. that should have died? Now that's so. If I'm thinking that these are um, some kind of proto Native Americans. Okay. I I don't know. There's like it, someone. It's been said that everybody's got like a drop of Native American blood in them on this continent that haven't come here like within the last hundred years. So right. maybe, maybe. I mean, God is the ultimate procrastinator. Then like. <laughs> Take the fucking baby and be done with it, man. Don't wait a hundred thousand years and then come around and well, say I'm taking everybody. Well, this is the same guy everybody. that made two perfect people. They turned against him. And instead of being like fuck <laughs> it, wadded up, started over. He had this cursed them all to death. Now we got seven billion yeah. people, and the people that believe in Jesus are going to be washed. I mean, he sent. There is some Rube Goldberg to hell, machinations sure. to the old man upstairs. You're right. You're right. If you just take it right off the good book. <laughs> Um, anyway, I know this is huge speculation, he continues, and maybe some people who were related to that baby did not depart because their presence was not having a direct effect on a natural balance, i.e. if this child wasn't born, then there wouldn't be, uh, there would only be 6 billion people in the world instead of the, the 7 billion that we have. We're okay. getting a little bit off in the weeds, but we're almost done. Yeah. Uh, but although other acts throughout history, some of these descendants replaced people who should have lived. The second quick thought I had came after the camera panned and showed us that disappears that baby was born in what is present-day Texas. If that's the case, then the likelihood of a child being born in the Americas affecting the entire world with population growth is slim. But let's assume that the same is true and that a mother and child are supposed to die in that cave-in. Then my second thought would be if the child itself the child itself is a miracle. And perhaps its existence or the mother's sacrifice, think Harry Potter, which you're not familiar no. with made the land sacred and created an otherworldly protection around it. This could be an explanation for why there is zero departures in Jarden. Hmm. So in in the books, Harry Potter's mother sacrificed herself to save her son, and that put a protective shield around him so that he could not be killed, spoiler alert, by Lord Voldemort. Okay. Um, that has some legs too. Yeah. But there's still some of this love spell in there. But again, like I, that's starting to get into the, I don't give a shit territory because yeah, a couple different theories there. Neither of which will be confirmed. I'm sure. No, but I do like something about there is a running cosmic tally to life and then yeah. eventually it gets reconciled, but in like geologic term times. Yeah. I mean, what's 10,000 years to a God. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. It's like it's a day. Actually, I think it's a thousand years is a day. Mm. Uh, and uh, also, it's, it's uh, the guy in the forums who was expressing concern about. The, I just this just popped into my notes. So thank you, Google Docs, for that. Uh, Dances with Wookies is the guy who is uh, <laughs> worried about the seven hundred fifty thousand viewers. Okay. So there we go. But I mean, his point is the leftovers not only did not have the the lead in of Game of Thrones, but it's also now competing. Like it was in the sleepy summer. Uh, and it now it's competing against a full fall lineup. It's competing against Sunday night football, uh, which is a bitch. Yeah. That's what killed Firefly. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's tough than that without having the established lead in like a big show, like the walking dead or something. We'll see. Sure. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried because I don't think HBO gives a shit about Sunday night football. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. I mean, at the very least, we're going to get the rest of season two. So yeah, and again, if they if they capping it off, if they if if they, and I hope that they do that with every season because I don't think they're ever guaranteed another one unless HBO is going to set up and and even then, like it's already been shot. Yeah. So I hope that they have the wisdom to end every season the way they did last one, where it's self-contained unto itself and fully satisfying. Yeah. Yet leaving you wanting more. They probably will. I mean. 
I was reading an interview with the the creators and they were like, yeah, we didn't know after season one if we even wanted to do a season two. Didn't have any stories for it. Didn't sure. even think about it. So maybe they'll have that same outlook in season two. You know, you know who else had that philosophy? Who? Vince Gilligan. Always, they, him and his writers always said, "Hey, let's." They leave they were ev- saying we don't know if we'll get another season. That's, right? That Not was like Vince we don't know if we want another four. season. Oh yeah, but but also their their philosophy is don't leave anything on the table. Okay, like we are not saving plots for next season. We are going to throw anything. We're gonna we're gonna we'll leave the, the cupboards bare and then shit our pants trying to fill it up next next season. So right. I I hope they take that same. That seems like successful worldview to have in in serial drama. Yeah. Anything else, Jim? Nope, that's it. All right, thanks for joining us. Again, if you got some feedback, you can send it to leftovers at baldmove.com or on forums.baldmove.com. And, of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at slash baldmove, respectively. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens in the season or uh, episode two with the, the Garvey shoe drops. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye-bye.